Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and I welcome Noah Terry to the show. It's also the first time we've caught up in a couple of weeks, and there's been a lot going on in our world. And so we're calling this one the one about quarantine and racism. So we hope you'll sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you doing? Man, I am doing better than I deserve today, um, other than the fact that it's hot. Well, it has been hot. It kind of cooled down today, but it's been super hot here. So, how are you doing? Well, um, it's hot here too, but it was windy. And so this morning at 5.30 when we got up for our workout, it was actually 73 degrees. That's nice. And uh, Shelly said to me, yeah, Shelly said to me, it's a little chilly, uh, which, you know, yesterday it was 185 degrees here. Yeah. Okay, that may be an exaggeration, but but it was very hot, and so we weren't expecting it to be cool this morning when we got up, and uh, it's so hot that my trampoline, uh, my reformed trampoline into a greenhouse is getting hotter than the plants like, and so I'm having to, I've had to take the sides off so I can get air airflow. there. Uh, little airflow to keep the the blossoms from wilting before the bees can pollinate. Yeah, so I uh, I got to see that last weekend. I was actually down there, and we had threatened to record a podcast. But you know, when we're together with our families and stuff, it's like, why waste that time on sitting down and trying to work <laughs> out all our technology as we've done today for the last thirty minutes. For some reason, it never can just work right, huh? And so... No, it doesn't just work right. We, we stayed up so late to like 1 or 2 in the morning. I never really wanted to be like, oh, you guys want to record a podcast with this? So um, it definitely uh, was a lot of fun. We had a good time. And your greenhouse is really cool. I was bragging to my morning meditations crew about it. I thought I was impressed with your creativity to take something that was broken and make something new out of it. Kind of like Jesus. Well, yeah, I think probably the gospel is supposed to train us how to do that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I often l- lament that we're not that the church isn't leading the way in recycling, and the church isn't leading the way in in some of the things that we could do to to be better stewards of creation. And so, um, and I, that's not to say I'm great at it. Uh, there's probably a lot of ways of doing life that I'm that I'm not great at and probably unaware. I've discovered that over time, if you want to really be good at those things, you have to commit all of your energy to it. And uh, and so I've, I'm doing my best to repurpose things these days. And that was, a, that was a kind of a fun project that me and Judah got to do together. And you know what he asked for for his birthday? What's that? A trampoline. <laughs> so, um, because... We repurposed the old one, and now we will have one. Yeah, I yeah, I've heard he's really good on that trampoline. 
he is. Yeah. He actually uh, he started a a YouTube channel a while back when he was just a little boy um, called Pigcraft. I watched and, some uh, of those. And so he he would do he would do Minecraft videos and he built a trampoline in Minecraft, and then he built the tallest ladder that they would allow him to build as high as they would go, and then he had his little man jump off of the. That's of the awesome. Sounds like Michael and, Scott and land on the trampoline. Michael Scott from The Office. Did he test it with a watermelon yes. first to see if no. he would die? No, he just he just jumped his little man off of there. Okay, uh, I don't think because he was a virtual man, he was really worried for his life because he figured he could just reboot him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Before we get too far in this podcast, I have a guest with me today. I have Noah Terry. You do. Long-time listener, let me tell you something. When I first met Noah Terry, the only way he knew me was through pontificating pastors. So say hey, really? Noah. Hey. That was a great... Hey, Noah. A great hey. Yeah. Yeah. I should have said hey, Noah. You were Noah. supposed to say hey, Noah. Yeah. Yeah, the old Simon and Garfinkel. This is uh, this is how I do. I set you up. You're supposed to hit the softball, right? Like, it's... That's now right. that out of the park, Noah. Come on now, we're going to... Pay attention. Noah Pay attention. is my intern for this summer. And uh, so we're spending a lot of time together. And he's getting to see, as I say, how the sausage is made. So Monday he was on our Zoom uh, call yeah. with pastors. I would like you to know that Noah was super impressed by the wealth of knowledge in that Zoom call. Weren't you, Noah? I was. I mean, how impressed really? were you so, now? Why don't, why don't you just tell us? I was like, um, honestly, all I had really known about Daniel was the the lion's den. Yeah. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and as my youth pastor used to put it, a billy goat. A billy goat, yes. Instead of, hey, don't call them by their slave names. <laughs> yes. Their names are Hananiah, Azariah, and Misiel. Why do you call them by their slave names? Sorry. Sorry. Dude, that's my favorite intro to preaching the book of Daniel. To say, do you know who Hananiah, Azariah, <laughs> Hananiah, and Mishael are? Yeah. And then everybody's like, There's, who? Yeah. Oh. Well, I had a pastor. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've just been calling them by their slave names. Yeah. The, they're um, Babylonian names. I mean, yeah. we warped yeah. them into the empire. Why would we do that? Yes. Oh, they were assimilated. Yeah. Uh, resistance is futile, <laughs> as the Borg would say. Yeah, no, it's uh, I had a pastor who who taught us uh, when I was a little kid. He said, uh, "I know sometimes it's hard to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so we always called them shake the bed, make the bed, and to bed we go." Yeah, and uh, that's great. And so in my head, I have to cycle through that to get to their name, to get to their slave names, and then I have to cycle through that to get to their their Israelite names, their Hebrew names, because. All of that stacked on top of each other in my mind, and I have to work through all of it. So sometimes I, I freeze up in that conversation, and I pause too long. You know, and people think that I've fallen asleep, but I'm, I'm really just trying to work through the layers of memory. Of You know, they talk about memory tools for remembering things. Yeah. Well, sometimes I create too many tools for me- remembering things, and then I have to create tools to remember the tools that I created to remember things. So it becomes complicated. Yeah, and somewhere in there is a chocolate layer with a big chocolate bunny and Rack Shack and Benny. Like <laughs> There's a layer. There's a 
There's be a, that layer. a Veggie Tales layer. Yeah. Oh, Rack Shack and Benny. The absolutely. Bunny, absolutely. The bunny. The bunny. Oh, I love, I love the, the bunny. bunny. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I love Veggie Tales. We, our kids grew up on Veggie Tales. Uh, we were Veggie Tales ambassadors, which basically meant we would put up signs at the church and they would send us all the videos when they first came out for free. But they would have this little disclaimer line at the bottom that said, this is for promotional use only. So, um, but my kids, when they watched VeggieTales, they didn't watch like real TV when they were little very much. So they never wanted anything for Christmas, which is something we could probably talk about that's pretty interesting. They never saw commercials. Come on. They never had anybody telling them you need this. The mother of all prostitutes never encouraged them to buy crap they didn't need. The mother of all prostitutes. I was you just making a reference. That one to Re- a bit. <laughs> yeah, I was just making a reference to Revelation, where the marketplace or the uh, the greater culture at large was referred to as the mother of all prostitutes. Yes, and we were encouraged to to have no association with or her. Or the whore of Babylon uh, is sorry. another name. We she was called the whore of Babylon, yes. depending Which on the translation yes. that you're. That you're accustomed to. I, I was trying to... Uh, I, somehow the mother of all prostitutes seemed seemed like a better title, but it means the same just thing. Just leave so, me to go across the line. We did a podcast about you that. You just... <laughs> <laughs> let's lay the line out and you can, you can cross I it. I remember so, yeah. I preached Hosea one time in Fort Worth and I read from the message. And I think the word whoring was in that, that passage about 50 times. <laughs> and it upset someone in the congregation. It, re- oh, I'm it sure really it did. did. So I'll I'll be careful with how much I use that word. Noah, did you grow up on Veggie Tales? I, I kind of feel like maybe you did. I did grow up on Veggie Tales. What was your favorite Veggie Tales movie? Uh, Where's God when I'm scared? Wasn't that one of the first ones? I think it was like the it, very. It first might have one. been the very first one. God is bigger than the boogeyman. Boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that was a good one. Um, Man, they got really convoluted after a while. I remember even going to the movie theaters to watch the Jonah story, which Noah gets called Jonah a lot. And when I was down there, I I heard that your Jonah gets called Noah a lot. And I think because our biblical literacy in our (laughs) United States is is such that we only know like about two or three stories from the Old Testament. I'm just kidding. Yeah. There's there's yeah. Noah. There's do you Jonah. ever Noah? Do you ever? Yeah. Do you ever get called Moses? I don't think I've ever been no. called Moses. No. Okay. His beard's right. not quite there yet. When yeah, it gets a little not, longer, it's not at the point. He might. <laughs> I remember I made a Moses People. reference when we were disc golfing last weekend. I said I was going to pick it up by the uh, tail, and it was just so yes. out of left field that that everybody was like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "You know, <laughs> Moses' staff that became a snake. Pick it up by the yeah, tail, the snake." It was a stick bug, though, not a snake, that I was going to pick right. up. Right, we tail. were looking at a stick bug that he was going to, and it was, it was the most beautiful stick bug I've ever seen. There were magnificent was, stick bugs at this disc golf course. It was, they were gorgeous, gorgeous stick bugs. I took pictures as of big them as half your arm. So, it felt like, but That's maybe crazy. your hand. It was they're, they're massive. Yes, I was worried that that if it wanted to, it could hurt me. Yeah, but it made me remember it, that it movie, no, uh, A Bug's Life. You know the stick bug? Yes. The stick bug yeah. was very... Yes. It had a sheen to it, Noah. It had a sheen. What does that it mean? It wasn't like it was... Like, it wasn't like flat. It, it kind of... Like the... Yeah. 
It sparkled almost. It looked like a shiny. It looked like a shiny stick. Yeah. It looked like a stick that had been polished. It was so. Beautiful. And then we were but told anyway. that the brown ones are the brown ones the females, and the greenish ones are the uh, males. The, yes, the larger ones are the females, and the smaller ones are the males. Yeah. So anyway, I think we saw a pregnant stick. Yeah. It was yeah. it was pretty impressive. Yeah. So yes, they were all. And I will have to admit that I pretty much got beat at disc golf by almost everybody. That was that was impressive. Yeah. I think Judah might have. I might have beat Judah, but Judah's a lot younger, so I feel like he <laughs> and, gets a little bit of a And speaking of sticks, yeah, speaking of sticks, he's kind of scrawny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. But muscular. He, well, you know, he's got a little bump there yeah. that we call a bicep, and uh, but he still doesn't. He doesn't have that trebuchet arm that Tyler has. Yeah. I used to joke. Like when t- I know what a trebuchet is, though. Do you, you know what a trebuchet okay. is? Yeah. I don't know what a trebuchet is. It's like a catapult. It launches things. Yes. Yeah. And and Tyler Cook has a trebuchet arm. And so whenever he throws it overhand, it just like goes forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a great time at your house, by the way. Um, your wife is a very gracious host. I won't say anything about you, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, I know it's It's true. the first time my true. wife has gotten to be down there with me. And then Tyler was there, yes. obviously. So Nathan didn't get to be there. But um, but it was a lot of fun. Right. And your whole family. And you guys fed us well. And we got to float the river in San Marcos that is 72 degrees year-round and yes. clear. Haven't been too many clear, clear rivers. Remember that one at Camp Arrowhead? It was not clear. That Brazos River? Not clear. No. The one, yeah, the Brazos is not I'm clear. Full it's, of water moccasins, muddy. too. And, and I think the water in the Brazos is about 85 or better. Oh, yeah. It felt like being in bath, in bath water. It did not feel refreshing. And sometimes it was non-existent, so, so you could pick up your tube and oh, yeah. walk. <laughs> sometimes it was from puddle to puddle. It's good we didn't. Yeah. Float that on the Sabbath. We would have been breaking the Sabbath by picking up oh, our tubes yes. and walking on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So we haven't really talked or been recorded since you know all the kind of political uh protests uh all the the racial uh, unrest in our country and so i thought maybe we should probably address that um today we should talk a little bit about that i got to be part of something last night that was really cool um there was a black pastor in oklahoma city that just put out on facebook yesterday he said um uh, we were we're gonna get at the capitol I just want pastors to come. He was just, it was just kind of a pastor invitation thing. And I want pastors from all over the city to come and to pray. And he said, this is not a protest. It's not about political agendas, but we're just going to pray. And so Noah went with me. Uh, my kids went and uh, Kobe, our daughter-in-law as well. And we, uh, we went downtown. There were about 40 people there. It was not a huge event, but it was one of the most... I, I would say since all this happened, it was one of the most edifying things I've been a part of, one of the most exciting things. I met some pastors in the city that I've never met before. Got, we got to be part of a group now called Praying OKC, 
Um, and, and it was just so cool to see pastors from all walks of life, all colors, uh, get together and just pray. And as we were praying, it was super windy here yesterday, too. And I was thinking mm-hmm. about Pentecost, right? And so then yeah. John Middendorf wow. gets up to pray wow. last. John was the last prayer, and he prays about the Ruach of God, you know, that wind of God. And he talked, you know, he was even praying about creation and through the Red Sea and the dry bones. And yeah, I was thinking, man. And then he finished, you know, talking about Pentecost in his prayer, how God had done all those things. And, and I just thought it was really cool to think about the new things that God will do, even in the midst of difficult times. And so, uh, so I felt really encouraged by that last night. I've, I've heard a lot of things. There have been a lot of conversations, uh, but I thought it was really cool. Noah, what did you think? What, tell us some of your feeling about last night. I just like, I think like during this time, especially like coming out of quarantine and into this time, I really like forgot the importance of like praying together. And like that was something that was so cool to see because yeah. it had been, it had really been so long since I had seen a group of people together. Like, in general. Yeah. Like, to see a group of people, like, banded together in prayer was just so incredible. And because it was pastors, you know, it wasn't quiet praying. Um, And because they weren't all Nazarenes, too, because some Nazarenes pray pretty quietly. But um, it Mm -hmm. it was just everybody lifting their voice up. And I love that it was organized around some themes, so there was focus to it. It was organized about around humility and repentance and unity and um, guidance and like they had like five or six words really good words like that um, that we prayed about each one of those things for our city and so I thought man that was one of the best things I've been a part of personally um, it was it was encouraging you know you, you look at the news and you, you read story after story on Facebook and sometimes you can get really discouraged but um, man I I think the church has got to lead the way in, in showing people what it means to really love each other. And I really believe that that kind of love can only come from God. And so I think if we think that we're going to wait for our politicians to do it, or we're going to wait for, you know, city council, I mean, they have to be involved for change to happen for sure. Um, but, but if it can start in the churches and we can have churches that look diverse and that love each other, man, what a, what a testimony to God's kingdom that would be. What are your thoughts, Michael? Certainly. Oh, I have many. Oh, I know. Um, you never ha- or lack was, for thoughts. <laughs> I was, I, I, as you were talking, I just thought through all the things that I would like to share, but this isn't an hour and a half podcast. So, um, <laughs> we'll we'll just, take the uh, brief summary version if, if you're able to give summary. one of those. It occur- it's occurred to me lately that the enemy of intimacy is efficiency. And when a group of people cannot have their voice heard, they tend toward violence because it is the most expeditious route to being heard. Um, this, this complaint should have been heard in 1965 and every day since. And before, um, you, and, you probably would imagine. And, and yeah. before that, before that, but I mean, we had a movement in 1965 that should have got our attention in a way but we killed the leader of that movement we killed the the voice of that movement and thought we had done it with the law 
but you cannot do with the law what you can do with love. Yeah. And so uh, I think the Apostle Paul's statement here, uh, don't just pretend to love one another, but actually love one another, is the is the, where it becomes problematic. Um, and so I became I I have just come under some uh, conviction lately that if if we're going to see this happen. Um, you know, I, I can't hide behind the fact that in Southeast Texas, or, or, or I mean not Southeast Texas, Southeast Texas is where I came from, to South Central Texas. Um, and in South Central Texas, the demographic is about a 4% maybe. Uh, it may, may be a little higher than that in my city um, of black people. And I can't hide behind that as a reason not to know very many black people. Um, right. It's yeah. about effort. It's about effort. It's it's about being okay with and seeking out a diverse community of faith to be a part of. And so to so this week I called the pastor of Greater Bethel Church, um, predominantly uh, African American church, and a, and a and a, a black pastor who uh, we um, we met at the Martin Luther King Day March uh, in in our city. Uh, LBJ and Martin Luther King, the streets named after those men, intersect, <laughs> which is not typical. Usually, right. they're running parallel. If and then you know, I would think more more cities have a MLK than an LBJ, um, but our city You're has an right. LBJ and an MLK uh, intersection. And um, and the reason that's important is because LBJ was the president when MLK was leading. Uh, was leading the march from Selma to Montgomery, and uh, when he was, when all of those things were taking place, LBJ was uh, kind of sanctioning. He was the the leader of the administration in the country that was sanctioning uh, those activities and offering protection. And really, the march from Selma didn't take place until, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King led everybody up to the line on the bridge, and then said, "No," he knelt in prayer and then turned around. Um, and after he showed that restraint, uh, LBJ's administration issued an edict of protection for that march as it went from Selma to Montgomery. Yeah. Such a powerful, a powerful piece of history. And so that happens here in our city. And so I called, I, I contacted uh, the pastor over there at Greater Bethel and just said, hey, um, I have been, I, I have neglected my responsibility to reach out to people of diversity and uh, I'd like to extend a hand of friendship to you. I'd like to meet with you with no other agenda except friendship. And uh, he said, Michael, that sounds wonderful. So um, we were going to meet in person, uh, but we both opted to, uh, to a Zoom call because uh, we're, we both have busy schedules and we couldn't find a time. So we spent an hour on a Zoom call earlier today talking about how our churches could worship together because we determined that it probably wasn't legislation that was going to make the difference here, but uh, but actual worship among believers um, of the one true God. And so we uh, we talked about those things and how we would engage that conversation. Uh, we've talked to the principal at the school that we're going to meet in, uh, uh, that we that our our church plant meets in, and uh, we don't have access to the building yet, but we have access to the parking lot, and therefore we have access to the tennis courts, and we're going to uh, hang a giant uh, canvas on that tennis court, which can be seen from I-35, and in bright colors, 
we are going to paint a mural as a community art project. I have an artist who is de designing that mural and we're going to turn it into a paint by number so that everybody in town can come by and paint a block of it if they'd like to. Uh, I say everybody in town. We know that not everybody will participate and we probably can't provide um, 60,000 uh, <laughs> blocks. blocks to paint by number even in that large of a mural. But those people who are willing and wanting to, we're going to extend it to the families that go to that elementary school. We've extended it to uh, Greater Bethel's community, uh, their church and their their folks and to Wayfinders um, folks and we're going to partner in this uh, at, so there will be a mural that stands as a, as a symbol of peace um, amongst diversity because we believe that's what the Holy Spirit brings is unity in the midst of diversity and we know it's going to be messy but it's going to be messy on purpose because uh, efficiency is the enemy of intimacy and we're looking for intimacy because we think love Will make the difference there's the short version how's that wow that's really good man yeah i i'll give you my short version and i want noah to chime in a little bit um but i i decided to uh take on the 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 passage in james i think it's 119 everyone should be slow to speak quick to listen slow to become <laughs> angry and uh, uh -huh. i you know it's an interesting thing us talking about this as two white gentlemen who are pastors, but I think I think my posture is similar to yours in that I'm having conversations and listening. Um, so we're going to do some similar things. Um, I've got a lunch planned on Monday to sit and talk to a, a leader of young men and women um, in the African-American community who has a really good feel, I think, for the pulse of what's going on. Um, I also... Uh, and I'm talking to one of my former students who's a worship leader about what can we do to educate our church and to lead. And so uh, we're, I think we're going to start a book club. He gave me, you know, I said, which one should we read first? And so we're going to learn. So, yeah, I think I'm right there with you. It's it's this posture of love. And it is, it is people right around you, you know, the people that you um, are with and and just developing new relationships uh, because you're right, it's not going to be legislated. You can't legislate love. You can't make people love each other. That's why right. the Old Testament law falls apart. I, I love that Jesus said, um, you know, he, he says the love of God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and the love of your neighbor as yourself are what all the commandments hang upon. And, and our professor of Old Testament, Marty Michelson, said, that when you write Hebrew, there's like a line that's etched in the hide of the animal skin you're writing on. And, and it's really, a, the, the writing hangs down from that line. So he's saying, if you don't have love, you can't even begin to write the Old Testament law. That it makes no sense without that line of love that everything hangs on. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commands, to love God and to love your neighbor. So... So I think you're right, um, and and we have tried to settle for efficiency, and uh, trying to get things done as quickly as possible. Um, but the the real work is going to be long, difficult, and and we're all going to have to be in it for the long haul. And so that's the problem with our news cycle right now is, um, you know, we have about a 24-hour news cycle, and it was interesting when all this happened, nobody even heard about Corona anymore. And, 
and that's still going on. And for those of us that are church leaders, it's yeah. like there are people in our communities that like Corona, what? Like they're out doing everything again because the new cycle has mm-hmm. changed. And and that is my fear that if if we, we have been woken up by God's Holy Spirit, I think, um, by the events in our world these days, these unjust events. But if we don't keep our feet to the fire, then we could let the news cycle get in the way of love because love's going to take some time and it's going to take some work. So I'm going to throw this to Noah, and I know it's his first time, and uh, maybe maybe not the easiest uh, conversation. It takes a, I've been wading through it in my own heart, in my own mind. And like you said, repentance is part of that. Uh, being humble, as we prayed last night. But no, what do you, give us some thoughts today. I really liked how Michael said that at the end. How he said it's going to be messy. Yeah. Because it's not an easy thing. And I think that's what like there. So much of my heart was like, well, why can't we just like solve this right now? Right. Why can't because we I, just all love each other and yeah. sing kumbaya? Right. But it's, like, so much more than that. And I think that I've, like, spent all this time, like, I want to learn and, like, grow with the community so I don't, like, I I don't know. I'm just, like, I was really at a loss when that, when that, when, when all these events have, like, taken place. I've always been at a loss for words. And I've had no words to say. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad yeah. thing either. And... No, that's interesting because this week we preached uh, we preached on Job, and uh, we said that his friends did good uh, by coming and sitting shiva with him, uh, but it was when they started talking that they messed up. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I said in my message too. And yeah. and they talk. The thing that cracked me up about Job was his friends give him advice for like thirty seven chapters of the forty two <laughs> chapters. And I was wall 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 wall. I was like, isn't that right. social media? Like everybody trying to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> That's what I said to my congregation. This is social media <laughs> before social media. Like thirty-seven chapters yes. of that, and then God speaks for about four chapters, and then Job is like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. I had heard of you, but now I've seen you. Uh, oh, it's such no, a beautiful you. book. Man. Now I've seen you. Yeah. Yeah. And I've and maybe and in I, the midst of all yeah. this we can see God in a new way. Like if we could really as the church see God and, and see the beauty of the diversity of creation. Man, what would that that would be moving us a long way forward as individuals and as communities. So Yeah, well, man, I love that wall mural thing. When you were talking about that when I was at the house, I was just like and you're so creative. I, I wish I was that creative in my responses, but I think art is a perfect way to respond in times like this because it lets people express themselves. And being part of a mural just lets people express themselves in, in a way that they do it together. When we, when we had our fire, we made that mosaic out of broken glass that was all different colors. And every get, everybody got to go put their pieces on there. And uh, just to remind us that that we are all broken and, and that out of ashes come beauty and that God makes amazing things out of the brokenness of our lives. So, uh, man, I, I, I think you're right on there. And I love what you're doing, um, worshiping together. And I think we'll try to do some of that as well. Um, there are several churches in Midwest City that I think would be open to some kind of partnership like that. Right. Well, the, the problem is, is that 
how long did it take 120 days for us to get over COVID? Like in terms of over it, uh, where we decided, you know what, I'm not going to let it affect me anymore. And people just started going out, right? Um, yeah. How long? How long will this this cycle last before? Um, you know, I want I want the conversation and the friendship that that we can foster between uh, uh, between congregations uh, divided by ethnicity, right? And so, uh, or, or we shouldn't. The kingdom's not going to have a predominance of one ethnicity. Yeah. And so the kingdom should look like the de- your your churches our churches should look like the demographic. Um, that we that we live in and um and you know it's if you went to a a black church a predominantly black church and there was no white leadership it would be difficult for you to find your place in that um and by the same token if you come to a white predominantly white church um, and there's no no black people in uh, leadership it would be hard for you to feel like you had a place in that and so I think it's on us. Uh, I think it's on all of us to find that common ground and to be very intentional about the mixture and 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 not hide behind the excuse. Well, they don't want to come worship with us. Well, they, whoever they is, right, um, is is not a not a fair thing to say because uh, you know Mother Teresa used to say, um, you know. Jesus told us to love our neighbor, but my question for you is, do you know your neighbor? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and last night I was in the yard and had a wonderful conversation about diversity with a black man who lives down the street. Um, and I think we're all afraid to, to strike up a conversation uh, with someone. I think there's even this tension in us that says, well, why would I start one now if I haven't been up to it for the last 30 years? Well, better late than never, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah, there um, definitely you know, is first that, off. I'm sure. Um, uh-huh. and, and, but it's a I, lot I just of want excuses. To say better late than never. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, um, we just make excuses. And the bottom line is, and I would say to all of our listeners, go be friends with somebody that you don't currently know or respect. Yeah, and... Go reach out to them, you know? The amazing thing happens. is, um, I think part of the reason why we would say that is just because... To acknowledge that we haven't been part of the conversation like we should is repentance. And repentance is hard because it says, yeah, I, have, is I have been wrong. Right. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean oh, lips. Oh, I was praying I, that yesterday I, at the Capitol. Yeah. I was like, Lord, so... take that take that tongue from the altar and touch our lips. <laughs> touch my lips, yeah. yes, and make us pure yeah. and give us the words to speak. Um, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, well, what are we supposed to say? And he said, don't worry about what you're going to say. Trust the Holy Spirit, and I'll give you the words when it's time. Um, there's a lot of Christianity that acts in faith and not in fear. Um, and the difficult time, I mean, there, there is this really pressing excuse that we all have right now. Well, it's a pandemic. We all need to stay home. Right. Um, and But but we can go to Lowe's and Home Depot. But the bottom line there for me was, and for, for the pastor that I was talking to, yeah, we can go to Home, Home, Home Depot and Lowe's, but I can't go make new friends. Um, the, uh, the difficulty is that can, can the conversation and can the relationship last more than 120 days? Yeah. Like, well, you know, because this is... Yeah, we're putting this, this out so we can thing. be accountable. 
if we come back to a podcast next I definitely year, yeah and and we say yeah, definitely we when we get to this time next year mm-hmm. so you can hold because, me accountable and we should be yeah we should be I, I remember being in a room one time invited by a pastor his name was Demetrius Moffat Demo I love you shout out to Demo uh, great man of faith uh, servant of the Lord um, but and a friend of mine the, that doesn't mean that we agreed on everything. It doesn't mean that we saw eye to eye on everything. It doesn't mean that we had the same background. There was a lot of diversity between us, but I love him. And um, he, you know, he pastors a church in Orange, Texas, and he invited, uh, he sent out 72 letters and said, hey, listen, why, why don't we, why, don't, why aren't people coming to this meeting? Like I showed up with my pastor, Ray McDowell, and we showed up and we were sitting there and, and there were no, there were no pastors of the larger churches in town. The larger churches were all predominantly white, and there were no pastors there. And um, and I, you know, I don't know why they didn't show up. But when he asked the question, uh, and this may have been unfair of me to say, but I felt like it was the most honest answer I could give. And I said, "Well, Demetrius is is a black man's name, and white men don't come to." Meetings called by black men in Orange, Texas. See, and uh, wow, that's a tough statement to hear, even. Yeah. And yeah, and and you know, but I said it, and then I thought, oh crap, um, I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, and still, even now, I, while it was true, and probably is still true, Demetrius just stood up and came over and shook my hand and said, "Thanks for being honest about that." And I said. Well, thanks for not being terribly offended by what I just said. <laughs> he said, well, if you're telling the truth, I don't know how I could be offended. We became good friends on that day. Um, you know, but... You kind of offended but me I ha- the first day we met, too. <laughs> I'm sure I probably did. I'm kind of... I'm kind, I can be terse. You kind of shoot... So I have you kind to, of shoot I, straight from the hip sometimes. No, I do remember <laughs> our first meeting. I was like, who is this wild man? Um, <laughs> like, you'll just say things like that. When it, maybe other people would think them, but Michael will say them. And so that's one of the things well, I actually love about you, because I do believe honesty is a big deal. And I think right now a time it's a time for all of us to be honest um, with ourselves. And like you said, I mean, honesty yeah. leads to lament, which is confession and repentance and your buzzword. So I thought I'd throw it in there. My all of my thank you for thank you for stroking my uh, theological ego. We had this um, discussion about lament while I was at Michael's place, and I, I think he throws too much into lament. And he said, "Well, lament is basically confessing the truth." And with that definition, I would wow. go there. I would go there. Yeah, I I don't think it's okay to complain all the time or whine all the time. Though if you ask my family, I was I about do to say sometimes. Yeah, maybe you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's it's okay to do that. That doesn't mean that I don't do it. So if it is a sin, then I am a sinner. Um, but I am saved by grace. So shut up and leave me alone. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to apologize too much because I really do believe that lament is something. I think I have to overstate lament because we as a culture have understated it for so long. Because we don't want to um, be honest. Because so, we don't want to confess. Yeah. Because we don't want to. No, repent. it's just easier to say. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. It's easier to build a Because we don't really want intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy, yeah. Intimacy is not fun. It takes too long. And it's messy. We want efficiency. And so we teach our children to be productive, not honest. So ask Noah what his big assignment is for me in this internship this summer. 
No, tell them what your big assignment is. My big, my big assignment is um, finding my own rule of life. But oh, hey, because there you go. I believe that you can't be a minister unless you have intimacy with God first, which will lead you to intimacy with others. And so I said, this is what I want. God will shape you and form you, but you're not going to have anything to say until you learn to listen. And so for me, this all comes back to silence, which I know you would would imagine. Because in silence, mm-hmm. you you unmask all those things. That's my buzzword. And, mm-hmm. and you, you get real and you get honest and you lament. Yeah, you like mm-hmm. that? And, uh, <laughs> and you realize God loves you deeply for who you are. But you can't realize, I mean... First John says you can't realize that God loves you deeply and hate the people that are created in the image of God. And that's where this all No, you can't. This all to me yeah. it's an individual and a corporate issue. Because until sure. I'm willing yeah. to put myself under the microscope and say see if there's any offensive way in me, have I received right. God's love? You, yeah. Go ahead. Then you don't love yourself. Like you don't love who you are in Christ. Yeah, and and that's a false humility. That's I mean that's just a false humility that's not helpful to anybody. You, we ask the question all the time. Well, what is your story? But maybe we should be asking the question. And Peter Block says this. I love to listen to Peter Block, but um, he he says you should ask the question. What are you good at? Because then somebody can appreciate what they're good at in front of you. They can have the opportunity not to brag, but to just flat be honest and in humility realize I'm good at this and I'm good at this because I'm gifted for this and then they can give glory to God properly and if I do that then I can love who I am in Christ and if I love who I am in Christ then I can love my neighbor as myself but if I don't love myself if I don't love who I am in Christ then how am I ever going to love my neighbor if I hate me guess what my neighbor's getting all the spewing of your hatred for yourself yeah yes yeah so So, and I think that's really where we're at a lot in society is is a lot of the stuff we throw on other people. And this is what I said about the the, fl- the phrase Black Lives Matter, that it offends white yes, people. Yes, That it offends white people because it makes us, it makes white people feel their own insecurities. Well, if Black Lives Matter, what is that going to mean about me, right? And so, so it is. Yeah. Until you know who you are in Christ and you know that you are valuable because you're God's mm-hmm. creation... And just because somebody else gets grace or gets put yeah. up on the pedestal for a while doesn't mean you're yeah. less valuable. Just because somebody no. else's movement gets pushed doesn't mean that Come you on. don't matter. Preach it. But if Preach you it. really believe you don't matter before God, then it's going to offend you to say someone else matters. Yeah. And that's you have right. friends like that all the time who are like, you have success and they can't be happy for you. Because it's like it makes them right. feel worse about themselves. Yes. Like, if somebody says Black Lives Matter, we should say, yes, they do. Yes. And we're sorry that we ever created a situation where you felt like they did, that, that we didn't think they did. Right. Because we do think they, they matter. And we're sorry that, that, you know, so if somebody's saying that, then they're saying it from a place of pain. Right. Uh, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, like, yeah, anyway, we could, we could go on and on about that, but I, uh, I just struggle with how fragile our view of ourself is if we think that because someone else matters we don't well and that's if we think that if we're not winning we know yeah yeah that's really my assignment for noah is is really in seminary one of the greatest gifts i was given was to dig the well deeper not not in like knowledge or but like in learning how to be intimate uh with god so that as you 
as you know who you are in Christ, as you are loved by God, then that love kind of gushes out everywhere. And, uh, and I hope that I become a more loving person. I hope I'm more hum- hum- humble. <laughs> I have <laughs> more humility. I try to combine those words. Uh, I hope that I become a person who's willing to listen. And so um, we're about at about 40-something minutes. This has been a good one, and it's, it's a needed one. We're a little late to the party just because we haven't recorded in a while. I think we recorded our last one before um, all the kind of talks and protests started, and then we didn't put it out for a couple of days, so it kind of felt like we were right there. But, um, Noah, I'm glad to have you on. You got anything else to say before we say goodbye? No, I just, I really enjoyed this talk. Like, it was, I think it was much needed. Yeah, and... Noah will be doing some camps this summer with Snoo, and he'll be at our church some. And so, super talented young man, excited to see where God takes him. And uh, I'm, I'm excited that he got to be on with us because I'm not going to lie. When I first met him, he was, he was fangirling a little bit on, on us. We, we <laughs> give him a hard time about that. He was like, you're on pontificating pastors. But uh, I think if we could sum this one up it'd be that pontificating pastors sometimes need to stop pontificating and listen to your neighbor <laughs> yeah. we're really good at talking I'm, I'll go for that I think that's that's what's needed more than anything is more listening less talking yeah well I love you man I'm glad we got to do this today I didn't know if our technology was going to let us so we'll get back together next I week lo- I love you too man and I'm glad that we were able to do this. Um, and I just want you to know, Noah, that I've forgiven you for licking me in the eyeball. <laughs> we talked about that, I think, a long time ago on a podcast. Noah licked Michael on the eyeball at a camp as some kind of bet. And I don't remember how you said it to me, but I wasn't understanding what you were saying. I, I thought, I don't remember. You thought you said he looked you in the eye? Oh, that's right. You said, first time I, I met Noah, he looked me in the eye. I thought you were saying looked me in the eye. And I was like, well, that's a good, respectable young man. And you were saying he <laughs> licked me in the eye. And so that was the kind of our, our first uh, introduction to Michael's relationship with you. And I was totally confused. I was like, oh, that's good. He looked you in the eye. I so, haven't licked you in the eye yet, and I don't <laughs> plan on it. I, I think that would be the end of your internship. <laughs> hey, we love you, Michael. We're out of here. Peace. See you later. Love you guys. Take care. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.